The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Retro Pop. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, and to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. That's right. This is Retro Pop. I'm your captain, uh, Johnny Townsend. I'm joined by my first officer, Mr. Matthew Johnson. Hello. I was waiting. I had a, I had a, a, a quote on the tip of my tongue. And just like my Indianapolis Colts did against the Buffalo Bills last weekend, I came up short. What is up, Johnny? Uh, it is good to hear from you, my friend. I feels like it's been forever. Um, as always, usually, you know, the whole bi-weekly thing. I love it because it's relaxing. But um, at the same yeah. time, I, uh, I feel like I don't get to talk to you as frequently. So it is nice to have like a week off from something, even if it's something you like doing. I know it sounds weird, but it's true. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we're here uh, and we're here to talk about Star Trek. And one of my favorite things, man, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on Star Trek. It's one thing uh, we've talked about a lot of things, but never Star Trek. So I'm very curious about this when it comes to you. Uh, let's get into our personal histories with old Star Trek. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. All right, Matt, for as long as I it's can remember, uh, there's been Star Trek. Obviously, it's been around well before I was born, but I'm talking about in my life in general. Uh, that was, I remember it before Star Wars, and I genuinely love both things. Yes, you can love both things. You do not have to choose one over the other because they're both freaking awesome. And, Crazy uh, how that works. Yeah, I know. It's so wild. So wild. Uh, but both actually rule. And they're very different things. And you can get uh, different stuff out of them. Uh, but my mom especially loves sci-fi stuff. And so Star Trek was there. Um, the original series is what we're going to be focusing on today. But obviously, there's been plenty of different versions of Star Trek that have come out since. Uh, I've literally seen multiple times every episode of the first original series. That's my all-time favorite, and the Next Generation, which I also do love. I um, mean, it had you know it had uh, uh, Levar Burton on it for crying out loud. So I'm going to love me some <laughs> Next Generation, Green and Rainbow, all the way. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, for me, Star Trek's always been there. It's 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 like just the characters I really gravitated toward, especially those original three. Like I felt like, like they were almost like the perfect team. They complemented each other so much. And there was a real true, uh, even before it was a term bromance between the three, right? The three leads uh, between Kirk and Spock and McCoy, you know, the good doctor there, Mr. Bones. And what I've really noticed with myself as I've grown up, I've during each sort of stage, whatever you want to call it of my life, I've related more to one of them than the other. Uh, and it's really weird how that works. Like, I remember, first of all, I always loved Kirk. And then as I got older, I was like, man, I really, really love Spock. He's got so much nuance to him. 
He's a, he's got so much inner turmoil turmoil going on. I mean, he's a half human, half Vulcan. He's always at war with himself inside with those things. Uh, but then as I got even older, I'm like, man, I'm probably way more McCoy. You know, uh, I know I know what I am, and I and I'm fine with it. You know, dang it, I'm a podcaster. I'm not an escalator. Uh, so uh, so there's so much there, uh, and, and honestly, Star Trek really helped me love sci-fi. It's the thing that got me into science fiction, and I'm very, very grateful for it, uh, despite the fact that uh, there are plenty of people who are way more passionate about Star Trek. I've never dressed up <laughs> as a Star Trek character or anything like that. I've done many, many uh, conventions uh, as an artist. I've set up at them, and at the local one here, every, except for, of course, these, because of obviously things in 2020, but at the ones previous... Uh, they always had a group there of people who set up and have their own table dressed up as Klingons <laughs> and they, uh, they have like their own little foundation and it's actually, they actually do try to, it's like a, a food drive that they do for people who, so it's a really cool thing that they're doing, but every year they're always dressed up as either Star Trek officers and Klingons both. And they do both. And, uh, and what's weird is if they weren't there, I would, when I first saw them there, I was like, <laughs> oh, man. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, but now I promise you, if I didn't see them there, I would, I would be a little sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a part of what that makes that convention what it is. And uh, so Star Trek has always been there for me. I've always loved it. I even love the movies, except for the first one. I can probably do without that first movie. It's just so boring. But uh, after that, they're, especially Wrath of Khan literally has a scene in it at the very end. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about that, that I can't even watch today without crying uh, <laughs> because something happens to a certain character. And man, and even when they did the reboot with JJ Abrams, I even love those. I thought they were done very, very well. All three of those are really, really good movies. Uh, so um, Star Trek's always kind of been there for me, man. I'm very curious how it's been with you in your life. Um much like you, like it's definitely not as a you know important thing as it used to be to me. Uh, but like you, I do remember Star Trek before I before Star Wars. Like that was one of those my earliest memory as a child, like two years old. Like this is like far far back. I remember, and and maybe this is just like. One of those things where you kind of dream about it and you think you actually remembered it. But um, yeah, but I remember my mom, you know, in the hospital, given, you know, not watching her give birth to my sister. But uh, after she gave birth to my sister, uh, going to visit her, myself and my dad, and I had a Spock toy. I had a Spock toy. Uh, I it was a you know, there's videos. My mom, my parents filmed everything. There's videos of me just sitting there watching. Um, I think it was Next Generation, the one with uh, Patrick Stewart in it. Was that the one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's Next Generation. Okay. Watching that and then talking along the intro, space, the final, fr- you know, just saying along with it in my little yeah. innocent, you know, voice, just standing there buck ass naked, pretty well, pretty much with a diaper on. Just, yeah. just so nothing's really changed for no nothing's changed at all um literally <laughs> i've i've de-evolved um this this past i year. think we all have <laughs> <laughs> that that's pretty much me watching rick and morty and everything else that's on television <laughs> this year uh but yeah it, it was a, it was a very very like it, it, important part you know i there was a lot of story to it 
at least from what I yes. from what I remember with the next generation, it was more story driven than it was action heavy. And I think that's why at an early age I ventured like Star Wars became my thing. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I have come to appreciate what Star Trek is. And, you know, I, I've loved the newer movies. I've really enjoyed it. My wife's a huge Trekkie. You know, she likes both, but she's a huge Trekkie. Her, her, my father-in-law is a big Trekkie. So, um, so I'm, I'm around it constantly, but you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things you can't ignore because of how, uh, it is how important it is to, I mean, one, the science fiction genre and to, yeah. like you mentioned the comic cons, yo, I don't think we'd be having comic cons if people didn't dress up and, you know, like they did at Star yeah, Trek trackies, conventions man. back in the day. Yep. You know, that's, that's yep. a, that's a huge, huge thing. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll explain further in our, you know, the Star Trek's effect on pop culture po- bit, but um, yeah, this is uh this is one that I do have experience with. I used to have, I used to have a bunch of the toys. I do remember that. I, I had the, uh, I had Patrick Stewart's uh, Jean-Luc Picard's uh, action figure. <laughs> I had the Starship Enterprise where you can, oh man, you can take off the, the, the wing things. And there was like a light at the yeah. end. Like it was the, and that was like one of my favorite toys. I wish I still had it. I remember confusing that with the Millennium Falcon. I do. <laughs> I do remember that. That's how confused I was as an early age. But um, nothing's changed in that department either. But yeah, so Star Trek as an early child, like this is like hitting the nostalgia bone for me uh, just a little bit. And uh, I'm really glad you got to ch- choose this one. You know, I'm not super familiar. I, I've obviously I'm aware of the original series, but um, I'm not like. It's it that wasn't my childhood. Next generation was so I'm excited to learn a little bit about right. Um, TOS today, the original. Yeah, uh, I mean, I even recently went back and rewatched both the original series and Next Generation, like recently, and they both to me still hold up because they are story driven. So you can kind of get past the special effects, which obviously by now are dated. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, you know, Star Trek, especially this original, well, both of them, honestly, both of this and the Next Generation were well ahead of their times. Uh, socially even with the the issues they would bring up uh you know like racism they would bring that up uh you know all kinds of these these topics that are still sadly a part of our uh conversation today yeah it was uh, but they was, tackle these things head on yeah they were they were trailblazers in a lot in a lot of ways you know the like you said the sci-fi part the the just the i mean, guess the i guess the aspects of just society and being human beings i think they they definitely did that as well yeah. so um so yeah that this this yeah. series is is incredibly important for um you know for for just a lot of things and it, it's it's rightfully worshiped to this day it, the show is rightfully worshiped to this day yeah and this is and i'm going to try to explain this but uh the vision of star trek to me and this is obviously just my opinion but was the the fact that you had all these people from different walks of life and not just people, aliens, obviously, but all these different types of humanoids. Yes. Uh, who came from all kinds of different backgrounds and stuff, but they got along and pulled all their resources together and really achieved an even bigger, better good from it. And they cared about each other. They were always looking out for each other and they're always helping each other. And as, Someone who grew up, and this is weird, I'm pointing this out now, I know this is going to sound weird, but as someone who grew up uh, in a church in which Jesus Christ was a big example to me of who 
I wanted to uh, emulate as best I could. Um, I feel like Star Trek came the closest to that in TV, <laughs> which is weird considering Gene Roddenberry, the man who created it, was an atheist. But uh, <laughs> I think his vision was very almost Christ-like where all these people are getting together. Who cares about your differences? Yeah, you're going to have them, but let's overcome those. And let's see what we can accomplish by doing that. And, I mean, Star Trek is set into the world in the future. Obviously, I think it's like 22-something, 2250, somewhere around in there. I think it's where it's supposed to be set. And uh, there's no more war. Uh, there's none of that stuff anymore with, uh, with on Earth and all these other planets. This all takes place in the Milky Way as well. Uh, and uh, all these people are getting along. I mean, obviously, Vulcans and humans are getting along just fine. Uh, so it's, it's, it's fairly fascinating and we'll get into all that, but, uh, let's, let's jump in into the, the history of Star Trek. Ready to beam up, Jim. Energizing. All right. To talk about Star Trek, of course, first we have to talk about the man who came up with the idea and created it, Gene Roddenberry. That's a big name in science fiction, obviously. He's a complicated figure, to to put it mildly. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, to a lot of people, he's he was a genius. I mean, you can't a very a creative genius is what I would say he was. Um, He had a and we'll get into his life here in a second, but. He also had his faults. So just know that even though it's going to sound like I'm going to be praising this guy, lifting him up a lot, he certainly had his faults. Uh, you know, like uh, he was married, yet that didn't seem to bother him when it came to other women, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. uh, that type of deal. Uh, he the, also The Hollywood did, effect. The Hollywood effect. Yes, yes. <laughs> he also uh, he also took credit for everything. Uh, even if other people helped him with it, uh, they didn't get near the credit they deserved. He also did that. Uh, which we know a lot of in comics, man. I mean, you love comic books. That happens a lot in, in the history of comic books. Stanley. <laughs> what? <laughs> and these are that people we love. Be. I love Stanley. Yeah. But that's certainly the case. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it even happened with, uh, you know, Kane and Batman. You know, uh, you know, Finger got left out of, of Batman. It was never fingered once. <laughs> and uh, should have been. Should have been fingered a lot. So... <laughs> Gene Roddenberry was born on August 19th, 1921 in El Paso, Texas. Uh, I wish I had written my notes in ink instead of uh, pencil, but here we are. So (laughs) Matt gets to watch me squint at paper. No, I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, uh, His father was a police officer, and that would kind of uh, influence him in his career in the early going. But as a kid, Gene loved science fiction and comic books and pulp. Uh, books, you know, like uh, John Carter of Mars. You ever seen that, Matt? John, uh, I seen the newer one. I seen the newer one that Disney yeah. released. It. I wasn't overly fond of it, but um, but yeah, I, I I am aware of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good science fiction, especially the early stuff and the comics and stuff. Um, and he also Tarzan was another one that really influenced him. Uh, oh. I, I know you've heard of Tarzan. Oh. Uh, so uh, all these things like that, but then he grows up and he goes to college. He goes to Los Angeles City College, and it's here where he really gets into aeronautical engineering. Like it just fascinates him. 
And that really sets off his career, really, because he gets his pilot's license. And just to give you an idea when this time is, it's about when World War II is about to hit. Okay. And because World War II hits, he joins the United States Army Air Corps in 1941. And this is as the war is going. And he would fly airplanes in World War II. So uh, he did a lot of really, I mean, I want to say cool stuff, but, you know, he, he fought in the war. He saw his friends die. He uh, took lives, too, because he was in the war. And it really affected him, which, I mean, how could it not? And that's kind of a part of re- really led to Star Trek in a way, uh, you know, the utopia that he was, he wished humanity had gotten to. <laughs> uh, but also, here's a fascinating thing that I never knew about him before doing this research. He was in at least, at least three different plane crashes and survived all three. Jesus. Uh, one of them, he was the pilot, and it was in World War II. There was another one where he was the where he was the pilot, but it wasn't his fault. I think they were shot down or something. But then after the war, he actually became a commercial pilot for I think it's Pan Air or something like that, and had a one of those crashes that he was in. So, uh, and he survived that, and he actually saved lives during that one that I read. So, uh, he uh, got kind of tired of the pilot life, which after three crashes, I'd be done. That's for sure. And he decides that he's going to kind of uh, take after his father and become a police officer in Los Angeles. And that's what he does. But this whole time he's a, he's an officer, just something didn't feel right. Like he still had this dream to write. He really wanted to write. He really, truly wanted to write. And, and so it was, but however, because of his job as a police officer, he actually got to become a, uh, like, what's it called? He would become a technical advisor is what he was called mm. on a TV show. They're called, I've never heard of this TV show, but this is what it was called. Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney. That's right. Mr. DA himself. And okay. because he got his foot in the door here with that, they actually let him start writing scripts for them. And this got him going. And he started writing scripts for everything. And soon... Uh, that became his full-time job and he was able to quit being a police officer because he was making, I think they said four to five times writing scripts than he was from being a police officer. It wasn't even close. Which is pretty so. wild even to think, you know, back then too, when you account inflation and and all that fun stuff that yeah, Hollywood was still progressively better. Writing anything for Hollywood was progressively better than uh, yeah. earning a earning a paycheck as a as a as a police officer. It's it's uh it's it's pretty wild. But this is yes. This is right before I think like Hollywood hit its, you know, Hollywood television really hit its peak as well. So this is pretty cool. He came by it at a good time. He certainly did. That's a great point. He's actually becoming more and more involved in TV as it's becoming a major part of people's lives. Yeah. TV had been they, around since like the early 19, what, 1910 30s, I want to yeah. say. 30s, I yeah. think they, they really came out. And then right now, uh, around this time period, families, it, it was affordable enough where every family in America could have one if they chose to, if they so chose to. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. So as in like Hollywood became a place because of it and uh, a lot of jobs there. And, but soon he, he actually got his own show and his first show was called the Lieutenant. And it's about, it's an army show or it's like a Navy. I can't remember if it's a, if it's a Marines or something like that. It's one of the branches of the army. And it even had the army themselves involved with it. Uh, but the reason that this is a big deal, this is how he met Leonard Nimoy because Leonard Nimoy was a part of that cast. And of course he would go on to be Spock. And so that's a big deal. 
But then after that, he would also try to make a pilot for a show called, and this is a terrible name. I don't know why he thought this would be a good name. 333 Montgomery was the name of the show. But the only reason that I bring it up is because that's uh, the lead of it was DeForest Kelly, a.k.a. Bones. Uh, okay. McCoy. Okay. So he meets these two people. And, of course, some other actually uh, people were on some of these shows, too, that were going to be on Star Trek. So he made a lot of connections here is what I'm trying to say. And now we're into the mid-60s. And this is where he decides he's always had this idea in the back of his mind about traveling airships going across the the world with like a, a a really diverse cast and crew and you know exploring like, like he had this idea that idea was there and that becomes star trek and this is where we enter the world of star trek all right so he writes this script and by script i mean it was like one piece of paper <laughs> but, but, Really? That was Basically it? his idea. <laughs> the, the, um, I watched one of the documentaries I watched, uh, this one guy, the, the producer that he connected with, last name Solo, not making that up, uh, talked about how most of the people who came in to pitch stuff to him would have books. Like this is each character had almost like two or three pages themselves all about them. But he said <laughs> Gene came in there with wood page. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Like his Gene's idea was so good, that's what helped because he said Gene was a terrible salesman and that Gene himself was not selling it, but the idea he got and he liked the idea. So he's the one who really helped Gene pitch the idea to networks. And that's where he came in because he was going to be a producer. So they take this idea and they take it to different networks. Like they went to CBS first and they uh, turn them down and then they go to NBC and they pitch it to NBC as like a Western and outer space, basically, is what they say. A wagon, like a wagon. Uh, there's a show, it's an old show, Wagon, I forgot what it's called, some of the Wagon to the Stars. Okay. Uh, and that's how they sold it. And they said, All right, we'll buy you uh, a pilot. We'll let you make a pilot. And uh, that's what they do. They make this pilot. And you can actually find this pilot and watch it. It is way different than what the show actually ends up being. Uh, yeah, wasn't it? Captain completely... Kirk is not in it. I was just say there's a whole different cast. I think there was only yeah. one recurring character right. that only made it to the, the main. The one character that was there that was saved was Spock. And he's a very different Spock in this one. He shows emotion all the time in this one. Very emotional. And Leonard Nimoy later said that he was doing that because uh, the, uh, the lead, uh, Captain Pike, that actor, I'm blanking on his name, but he was a big actor at the time. Uh, was really playing playing the role of the captain very level, and so Nimoy felt he had to bring his energy up to kind of bring kind of match, you know, to sort of even them out. <laughs> which makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That, that was one thing that I did read. Uh, that yeah, there was the, the chemistry was just bad. It was just it yeah. was it was just it wasn't working, and that's why. Um, I don't even know if it did it air. I feel like I read it that it it never aired. I could be wrong though. I don't remember if it aired or not, but you can definitely go and watch it now. Okay. Like it's definitely, you can find it easily and watch it. I've seen it. Okay. And on top of that, they would actually take the footage from this, this and actually have it. And they really showed it in a really interesting way in an episode of Star Trek later. Um, like it became part of a story in a later episode of actual Star Trek. And it was very interesting how they did it. But the, basically the gist of this pilot is, and this is why it, it didn't work the first time. And they were like, we're not doing this. Because, uh, you know, they had pitched this as this Western. 
So you were thinking, oh, we're going to get a lot of action and stuff like that. Uh, but <laughs> what actually happens in this episode is like within the first five minutes or so, the captain gets captured and he spends most of his time behind this glass. <laughs> captured. That's yeah. Episode, honestly. That's, that's it. Like I said, that, that was kind of like a reoccurring theme. And that's why, I mean, not, not that that, you know, not that they did that for, for future, like, like the ones that I watch Star Trek shows that I watch, but um, that's kind of, it, it, that's, that's that's hard. That's a hard sell. Yeah, when you think Western, yeah, you, you're thinking Bonanza and all these shows right. that were there were heavy story points in it, of course, but there was action in it as well that made it fun and riveting. And uh, yeah, that's a tough sell when I, when you're when your captain's behind glass for an entire episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but uh, some of the things that the show did do well was uh, the story was actually kind of deep. If you really thought about it, it was way more heady than a lot of stuff is on a lot of, especially sci-fi. Yeah. It was on, this is kind of the era of uh, sci-fi talking like lost in space was big at this time, that type of deal, which is a fine show. I have nothing against lost in space, but you know, just give you an idea of the shows that were on. Uh, I think uh, the twilight zone actually just kind of ended. Uh, so, uh, but this pilot uh, also did some interesting stuff as in the captain's number one officer was a woman. And She's like very obviously now, at the, no, but at the time it was a huge deal. Uh, you know, now we wouldn't even bat an eye. I mean, there've been women captains on Star Trek already. So, you know, who, who cares? Right. Like now it's like, yeah, of course. But back then this was pretty major. Uh, and a lot of people were like, no woman could do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're not capable of doing that yeah. type of deal. Uh, obviously now we know that's ridiculous, but back then that was a thought. And that was actually one of the things that they complained about. And a uh, side note, this oh, blanking on her name. And I wish I'd remembered. I actually have it written down somewhere else here. Uh, but anyway, I'll get to her later, but she, um, <laughs> she would actually come back for, but play a different role in the original star Trek series. Uh, and, uh, and even play on next generation. She was, uh, if I'm thinking right, she was, uh, um, on the next generation. I'm blanking on the character's name, but the one who could, since people's feelings, what's her name? Uh, Troy. Oh, Sorry. Yeah, crap. I, think Troy. I think so. I mean, anyway, her mom shows up a bunch of times and she plays her mom. So, uh, but anyway, uh, she was also, she was also, I want to say this part really lowly. She was also having an affair with Gene Roddenberry <gasps> and everybody. Oh, knew it. So I don't know why I was whispering that. God. Literally everybody knew he was doing that <laughs> because he bragged about it. He told everybody. Uh, <laughs> so, what a guy. Yeah, he didn't know how to keep a secret. Yeah. What a man. What a man. Uh, but uh, basically, this this uh, pilot doesn't work. Uh, there's the chemistry. You can even watch it until the chemistry is off. And maybe they would have got there eventually because not everybody has chemistry right away. They do kind of develop. No, it's something times. that does build up. Yeah. yeah. But it was just, it felt like it didn't feel right. Like something was missing. And NBC was like, we're going to pass on this. And this is where uh, Lucille Ball, of all people, steps in. Of I Love Lucy fame, uh, she had her own production company, and they were like, you know what? We're going to back this up. And they backed it up. And uh, I think Lucille Ball even said one time that one of the things that really stood out to her was that they had like a woman in a major position on TV, and that meant a lot to her. No, for and sure. By this time, she was a, yeah. Very progressive era in, in that regard. And, and and I think that's why it, it told so near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Uh, and she obviously uh, was a, had a lot of influence here, had her own production company, and they put their power behind this in Star Trek and uh, also Mission 
Impossible too is another oh. show that they're really pushing. Uh, so that's why Mission Impossible and Star Trek actually kind of link a lot. But uh, so they uh, they pushed this show forward, and NBC this was unprecedented at the time said, you know what, we'll let you do another pilot. So wow, we get to do another pilot, and that's literally never really ever if ever happens. And so they go back to the drawing board, and uh, they thought they had all their cast they needed until the guy who played Captain Pike said, uh, "I'm a movie star now." I'm not doing TV <laughs> so, uh, because back then today, I think because of streaming service and stuff, it's, it's all blurred. But back then uh, they felt there's a big difference between TV and movies. Like TV was beneath movies for whatever reason. Oh, I'm I, sure. I I'm sure the pay was significantly different too. Oh, I'm sure the pay was. And, and you know, uh, a movie, you probably, there's, there's probably obviously a decent amount of work involved in it, but TV is, I can imagine TV being a very hectic, thing especially once you're locked into it too right we see all these 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 tv shows that like what supernatural 15 seasons and stuff 16 seasons like good for those guys but i don't know if i could be doing the same thing for that long like that's yes i I can understand especially when the when the money is much different as well so we're a movie you might have like a couple like a month or two months of shooting and that's your job that's it and you just made a quick a nice payday but um yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure thoughts on them were vastly different back then. Vastly different. Yeah, but basically, what happens though is uh, when Solo, the producer, uh, goes to the studio and says, uh, "We gotta, we gotta recast the captain because this guy doesn't want to do it." Uh, basically, they told him, "Okay, you go ahead and do that. We'll take whoever you want." But also, we didn't like the entire cast from that pilot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, we need you to recast the whole thing. The only one he got to keep was Spot Leonard Nimoy. So Leonard Nimoy would come back. But uh, he would have a new captain. He would come around to William Shatner, who was a, already a TV person then. He already done a lot of TV. And William took the job, Mr. Bill Shatner himself, who is a polarizing figure, figure in himself. But uh, So he came around, and it's also when he got DeForest Kelly to be Bones. And he, you know, he cast all the cast there that we now know and love. It's, and the chemistry right away, right away, was was much better, even to the point where William Shatner would later say that it was because of Star Trek and Leonard Nimoy. His, he felt he had his first true real friendship was with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And uh, because of this show, they had such really, and you can tell it, especially between these three leads, but honestly it was the whole cast had a really good chemistry with each other. They really played off each other very well. Uh, and um, so after that pilot episode, NBC picks it up. Uh, we'll give you a season. And they're off to the races. And this is in around 1966 to 1969s when the three seasons of Star Trek, the original series, would air. And we'd get three seasons of it, of course. And uh, however, while it does have many very famous episodes, uh, you know, uh, ones that really even stood out to me that I really love, like some, they have some very funny episodes, like. The Tribble with Tribbles is really, really funny where all these little small furry ball creatures are taking over the ship. It's a very <laughs> funny episode. But then they'll also have very, very deep episodes like where Spock, uh, you know, like he for he has to go back to the planet of Vulcan because uh, every, you know, every Vulcan has a thing that happens in their when they're growing up that they're very deeply embarrassed by because it has to do with, uh, you know, sexual relations and mating and that type of deal and finding a mate and he thinks he kills kirk his best friend and he shows one of the few times first times he shows a real emotion because he thinks he 
killed one of his best friends. But right. So then, literally, this show built a atmosphere which it could do both. It could do comedy and it could do stuff like that. You know, very serious stuff. So that's and, and uh, people were starting to love it. However, uh, the ratings were not good. It had low ratings. Uh, the thing that really saved them though was the people who were watching were very very dedicated to it and that will come back to help them out uh, but it had a very low budget like they kept having budget their budget lowered and lowered and lowered by the network um they would also the network would also constantly constantly send them notes we don't want this we don't want that we need you to change this uh one of them even said i don't know how long it's been since you've watched the original series matt but there's a lot of really beautiful women on there uh, who are uh, wearing clothes that I don't know how gravity kept those clothes where they were. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I, I don't know. Like it, it's space. Like I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. Like we don't know what other space cultures are wearing. Um, and yeah, I could see how that's kind of viewed as an issue. <laughs> that should be our tagline for this episode. We don't know what other space cultures are wearing. That should be. I swear line. to God, I will put that in the description. I swear. Please do it. Yes, I will. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're not wrong. And honestly, as a as a as a male, uh, I didn't mind it. But uh, at the time, this was a big deal uh, in the '60s. Uh, way more modesty was expected i mean even the the female members of the actual crew of the enterprise were very short skirts which is a big deal at the time and uh but they even said that at one time they'd even have like people from the network like measuring uh clothing to make sure it was covering everything that type of a deal because they were very worried about this and- i you're saying this and the entire time i'm thinking of uh Weird Al Yankovic, the the uh, Amish Paradise, where they looking at the yes. d- the dirty Amish mag, and they were fully clothed, and they showed a yeah. little ankle, and that, that's yeah. all I I can just think of people reacting that way. That that's all I can think so, of right now. They raised a barn on Monday, and soon they'll raise another. Uh, that's <laughs> one of my all time favorite songs. No lie. Uh, Mennonites, and I grew up in a Mennonite church, so it really stood out to me. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic will be, and I promise you, will be an episode of Retro Pop. I look forward to it. Okay. Um, but it was also a controversial show, Star Trek. They had a lot of episodes that were very controversial. Like I said, a lot of them were about race issues. Uh, literally, one of them, uh, in one of the episodes, they find this alien who half his face is black, another half is white. And he doesn't get along with this other alien who's half his face is black and half his face is white, but it's switched. And they don't get along because of that. <laughs> uh, and, and like, you know, you can see how ridiculous it is, but that was making, they could use science fiction to really raise some points about things going on in society. Uh, this is also during a time where, you know, we, we were having marches and stuff like Martin Luther King yeah. and all this stuff was happening during this time. So 60s just, were a wild, wild time. Yeah. Wild yes, time. Yes. Uh, and the 60s was also when, uh, like, you know, Jim Jones cult was happening during this time. So you just got to remember, the 60s was pretty out there. Uh, a lot of stuff was happening. Uh, but, yeah, the show is controversial. And, of course, uh, it also had one of the first, and I'll get back to this, but one of the first uh, interracial kisses on television happened Huge on Star Trek. Deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. And I don't know how long it's been since people watched that episode, but that episode in itself is it's kind of problematic. 
automatic now. Uh, and I'll, uh, and when I talk about that later in the Digi Knows, I'll explain. But, um, but of course, uh, this show was always on the verge of cancelization. And Gene Roddenberry knew this, and literally his job, depending on this show, <laughs> to keep going. And he would egg on the loyal trackers at this time, and they started a campaign that saved Star Trek. Literally, they would write letters. They found out the actual home phone numbers of some of the people on NBC and would call them. <laughs> yeah. It, this was this is a really really cool moment in history, uh, and this is another groundbreaking thing that Star Trek did. You know, it, it's it at that time it was one of those just like niche, like you know, it, I mean, it was pretty popular, of course, but it served a, a specific group of people that really really enjoyed the content, and you know, you don't see this often. Right? I mean, now in the day of social yeah. media, maybe more so than you probably did back in the '60s and early you know early '70s, but uh, this sort of thing didn't happen. Listeners, viewers, fans of shows, they didn't save shows um, ever back then. You know, if it was done, it was getting the, the plug pull. And the fact that a bunch of people wrote letters and I seen uh, some of the numbers uh, and it's uh, it's 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 pretty crazy. It's it's honestly it's very, very res- like respectable. I think it's cool that this thing that's a pop culture phenomenon was, you know, literally saved by its fans. Uh, you know, it, it that's that's true fandom right there. So I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent sure. Uh, this show actually would only last three seasons, though. After the third season, actually during the third season, they would even put it on the Friday time slot, and that was the everybody knows, especially then, that was a death nail for a show. We put yeah. it on a Friday night, not something you wanted to be until uh, maybe TJIF might may have changed it later on, years and years later. But during this time, you did not want to be on Friday night. No, and that's where they were put. Uh, so. Uh, they ended after three seasons. However, of course, that would not be the end of Star Trek because a little thing called syndication came around. Uh, This show, which had actually never even won an Emmy, it was nominated for quite a few, but never even won an award or anything like that, would get a second life in syndication. In fact, we were, you know, you brought it up earlier. The first Trek uh, convention happened years after the show was technically already canceled. (laughs) So the show was already off the air. And this was even before the first movie. There were Trek conventions because people just loved this show so much. It it meant so much. And it just became a bona fide hit uh, with syndication. Obviously, that's how I saw it. Uh, You know, I wasn't born until 83. So I saw it, you know, second or fourth or fifth hand, whatever you want to call it. and that's really how it it dug its heels in and became a part of uh, of of our culture now is because of syndication and because of syndication it spawned movies that's why it got a movie people were so excited for a movie in the first place bringing back the original cast that was a huge deal and uh, that was they were going to have I think six movies of the original cast and then they would spawn other. TV shows like Next Generation is the next one, the big one, uh, you know, that a lot of people I love, and it got its own movies too, and uh, and, uh, and then you had Deep Space Nine, uh, then you had Voyager, which I watched quite a bit of. I also love Voyager quite a lot. 
And yeah, that's that's more up Andrew's day, alley. Our, our friend Andrew of Let's Talk But No Politics. Okay, that's more up his alley. <laughs> Those newer ones. Yeah. We we wanted to get him on this episode, but he's like, "Yo, I don't, I don't, I have no clue about the original series," <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. I think that's why Star Trek's so great, though. Like, if one series doesn't appeal to you, you'll find one that does. Uh, there'll be a character in one of them that that will really grab you. You know what I, I compare it to? Uh, Power Rangers. Oh yeah. Yeah, the I way it's evolved, new cast, um, you know, obviously not as frequently as, as Power Rangers did it, but they were doing it every season. But, um, you know, uh, just just changing the whole dynamic. I, I would I would imagine that Power Rangers drew some influence from, um, you know, from that, just how they changed all the time. And, and it's always good to keep things fresh, I think. Always good to keep things fresh. Yeah. And a lot. Of, but for, in Star Trek's benefit, a lot of those seasons or those specific variations of star trek lasted a lot longer than you know one or two seasons they they, there was there was a lot to 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 chew on heck even you know we're now in the the era of streaming services where everybody has their own streaming service it seems uh, cbs's own streaming service seems to be built upon star trek right like a lot of their stuff is star trek driven Uh, if i ever got cbs streaming service it will be because of star trek stuff they have on there so um, but also this uh, Star Trek was spawned cartoons. Did you ever see the cartoon, Matt? It is really, really fascinating because they actually brought back the the, the people who voice it are uh, it's Leonard Nimoy and and William Shatner and I've and McCoy. seen. I don't think I I might have watched it when I was younger. Um, there is a meme of it though. With Captain Kirk, he did the hands over the mouth thing, and that's uh, it's fan. It's yeah. So I I I am aware of it. I am aware of it. I don't remember it a whole lot, but I'm pretty. I'm like ninety percent sure that I've watched a few episodes at least in my life. Uh, one thing I will I will beg people to look up is there's a lot of really uh, speaking of memes when it comes to this original series Star Trek. When I went back and rewatched it, a lot of a couple of things really stood out to me, and this applies to the cartoon as well. How William Shatner says the word sabotage. You can find this. Uh, please look it up, and uh, <laughs> because it's fantastic, and uh, the the it's almost iconic now because he would refuse to say it the correct way. <laughs> he felt he was saying it the way he would say it, and it is beyond fascinating, as Spock would say. <laughs> and also, being a professional wrestler uh, fan, Matt Mino. Uh, I always appreciated it. And this happened way more than I thought, but anytime there was a, no, well, not anytime, but a lot, when there was a fight with Captain Kirk, he would just randomly throw in a drop kick. <laughs> he would just run. Which I, drop f- which I found absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Yeah. His fight scenes were legendary. Absolutely legendary. Yes. The, the one where he's fighting the, the gore. The, yes. The, the lizard ones. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. like long fight that, that gives uh, the, the they live movie fight scene they run for its money as far as the length of it yeah it's yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible <laughs> yeah and just the just the level of uh, hardcore beating they gave each other uh, <laughs> is a fascinating it's fascinating you look up that fight i'm sure if you if you i'm guarantee you've seen it it's very funny <laughs> uh, but yeah so it spawned all these things going to have a long long life afterwards matt um we'll get into more when i get to the did you knows uh of course I think at some point later on we will have uh so you know a guest on quote a winky wink and talk about the newer some of the newer ones for sure. But until then, until then, Matt, let's get into some Matt's stats. Hey. 
All right, everybody. The Matt Stats portion of the show. Welcome to it. Uh, pretty mild one on the day, but we do have some cool stuff and things to talk about. So as Johnny mentioned, three seasons of Star Trek, uh, the original series with 79 episodes included. I believe the first one, um, the first one was the most or had the most episodes. That's usually how it happens. The budget for episode, which is pretty astounding. Uh, if you really think about it, Star Trek was a big undertaking from a production standpoint for a TV show. Huge undertaking. All right. Season one, $190,000 per episode. In 2019 money, that's $1.4 million per Star Trek episode. And this is 20, I think like 26 episodes in the first season. Pretty crazy. Season two, $185,000 per episode. And uh, in season three, $175,000 per episode. Which is, uh, you know, like Johnny mentioned, to keep getting lower and lower. And you have to keep, you know, you just have to keep uh, uh, just accounting for it. And it's it's hard. It's it's very hard to uh, to go and do that. So Johnny did mention also that, you know, there was this big cancellation plan for cancellation. So uh, a woman by the name of Betty Joanne Trimble or and her husband, John, they uh, they persuaded they're the ones who persuaded a lot of supporters to uh to write letters to save the program all right hey uh there's one of the documentaries i watched actually interviewed them and obviously they were a lot older by by the time they interviewed them but they're a fascinating couple you can tell they just love the show yeah uh, and gene had a lot of really helped them to kind of get the word out <laughs> uh, and they even had a they even picketed they actually even went out with signs and everything at one point in front of the studios so they, they were really dedicated no it's uh it, like that's you need stuff like that i don't think we're talking about star trek today if that doesn't happen what they did and this is pretty so what, astound- I'm, what i'm trying to say matt i'm sorry to interrupt you but what i'm trying to say is if at some point uh this network decides they're going to cancel us and you fans don't start some sort of campaign to save <laughs> Matt and I's show. You're dead to me. <laughs> All the listeners just like, so? <laughs> <laughs> Fine, go, whatever, bye. Uh, <laughs> no, we hope not. We, 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 ho- we hope not. Um, but what they did here, these are numbers too. 4,000, there's 4,000 names on a mailing list and they uh, uh, for a science fiction convention. And that's how they reached out. NBC uh, eventually they received 116,000 letters between December of 1967 and March 1968 um, to save the show. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of like students and yeah, there's legit marches to save. Uh, here's one 200 Caltech students marched to NBC's Burbank, California studio to support star Trek. So while the civil rights movement is going on, we have students marching to save star Trek. <laughs> and I, I am here for it. I honestly, honestly get it. Uh, let's see. Uh, as the show, per, you know, progressed and NBC seemed to, uh, it, it certainly seemed to want to get rid of Star Trek. They moved this to the times and all this stuff. Uh, a permanent commercial when the when the show first started was thirty nine thousand uh, dollars. 
a permanent commercial during the third season when it was pretty much on its way out. 36,000. So they knocked it down a little bit. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Tons. I mean, there's, there's just so much in merchandise and, and whatnot. It was, I was actually, honestly, I was surprised how difficult it was to find numbers, um, you know, for this. And I mean, that's pretty much the bulk of it. Like uh, season one. Let's see. Season one, obviously, the, did the best. The dip started in season two. And season three, uh, people came to season three to save it, but, you know, just kind of like it's a goodbye, but it just, uh, it did not, you know, obviously did not pan out, but honestly, yeah, it's a really quick one today. I couldn't find it too many financial figures and stuff, but, uh, you know, it kind of flatlined by the time season three, uh, rolled around and which is sad and all the, you know, considering everything, you know, how big the following is now, um, and it definitely seemed like NBC tried to sabotage Star Trek, which is why. Sabotage. <laughs> sabotage. Uh, uh, yeah, you're you're not wrong. And what's wild to me is like this show lasted three seasons and only three seasons. You had this big influence over pop culture, yet there were shows literally like Bonanza, which had over almost, and I'm not even making this up. They almost had 500 episodes of Bonanza. Yeah, that's how many there were, and that show is barely ever talked about now. So, right, <laughs> it's pretty wild how that can happen. That's true. This is like you know, it's yeah. That, that's I mean that's a fantastic point, and no, nobody does talk about. I love Bonanza too. I love me some Bonanza. I love me I some TV. <laughs> I love me some TV land. You can watch, you can watch most of them on uh, YouTube, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good to know good to know but yeah i mean this is like uh this is the equivalent like i remember when i first started getting into sitcoms like uh baby bob was a show that lasted one season i was really excited i was like oh cool finally a show that i can watch and that would be like me launching a campaign to save baby bob even though it lasted six episodes and was never brought back um <laughs> star trek was just that that much more popular and uh and yeah, that I mean that's that's really it in a nutshell. I don't want to keep you know going on and on about it, but but yeah, it's just it is really amazing in hindsight uh, the, the struggle that NBC put Star Trek through. But on that note, that's enough of me. Uh, here, let's head on over to Johnny's. Did you know? Captain's log, star date thirty one forty three point three. Control of the Enterprise has been regained. I wish my next decisions were no more difficult. Khan and his people. All right, here we go. Here we go. Did you know? And I'm sure if you're a Trekkie, some of these you will know. Uh, but uh, apparently on one of the episodes, they had an onset explosion. And this explosion was so loud, it gave permanent tendonitis in the ear. And that's a ringing in the ear, if you don't know what that means. Uh, for some of the cast, uh, some of the cast, uh, including... Uh, you know, McCoy, uh, you know, Kelly, I keep wanting to call him McCoy because that's how he, he always to me, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. Uh, William Shatner would actually go on to become the spokesman for tendonitis. No tendonitis because of it. Uh, wow. Yeah, what do you know? Star- always had to <laughs> what do you know? Star Trek, uh, you know, just, it just, it just adding on to William Shatner's legacy. It, yes. it, it, it made him <laughs> practically deaf and, and he probably got a million dollars per speaking <laughs> for yeah, speaking uh, for appearance fees for that and by the way uh tinnitus is awful it's awful i may or may not have to suffer from it just uh, so you know it's it's not fun 
Uh, but you get used to it, oddly enough, and it doesn't bother you at some point. <laughs> oh, and uh, optimism. Yeah, uh, you got to be on. You got to. All right, I want to try to say this name correctly, but uh, please forgive me. Uh, Majel or Majel? It's M A J E L. If I spelled it right, Barrett. That's the lady I was talking about before, uh, who had, had the affair, uh, and uh, she also left four million dollars when she passed away to her dogs. <laughs> I'll let this sink in. Those Hold on, no, I, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. Hold on, I'm gonna need a few more minutes of sinking in. Um, yeah, her dogs have more money than me and you could ever hope for. I, uh, <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Right, so the very, the very famous interracial kiss between Ahura uh, and Kirk was not technically the first interracial kiss on television. That had happened a couple times before, like on British TV, and I forgot what the other place was, but uh, it was one of the first ones ever on American television, especially on a show that was a hit at the time. So, and the network didn't want it to happen. They said, you can have this in a script, but don't actually show it. Uh, but of course, uh, they were going to show it. <laughs> so Naturally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, even, I think, even one of the stories I heard was William Shatner purposely did the other takes where they weren't going to show it wrong, so they would have to use that take. Uh, what a clever guy. Ideals. Yeah. I respect yeah. that. Uh, okay, let's talk about what some of these people did outside of Star Trek and acting. Uh, both Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner put, have put out albums, Matt. Uh, music, and I use that term perhaps loosely, but they've done it. Uh, Spock, or Spock can sing. He's got a decent... He's got a decent voice. It's not bad. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite things he ever did, he did this whole song about Lord of the Rings. Uh, highly recommend you find it. And that's a callback <laughs> to a show we've done earlier. Uh, he covered Lord of the Rings. And William Shatner did an album with Ben Folds uh, that was actually quite good. But it was way more... Uh, he's not really singing on it. He's it's kind of William, William Shatnering on it. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, one of the songs is really deep because it's about like the death of his wife or something like that who drowned. And oh, it's really sad. And I okay. really, it's really, really good. Uh, yeah, he, I've heard his singing before. I feel like he's done it in movies and stuff. It reminds me of, uh, it's very old school. Like you're yes. talking, you're not really singing, but you're telling a story. Um, yeah. So there's, there's yeah. a certain like, you, you gotta, that's gotta be your kind of music. But it's Shatner. He can pretty much do no wrong. Nimoy too. It, can do yeah. no wrong <laughs> in the eyes of a lot of yeah, people. I legit, yeah. I legit cried when Emily passed away. No, yeah. no lie. And when, was... McCoy, and when uh, DeForest Kelly passed away, I cried. So I believe it. Uh, but uh, Spock went through a lot of changes as a character. Of course, like I said, when he was originally created, he was going to be red and even have a tail, like a, because he was going to be way more like Satan. <laughs> uh, and the network quickly stepped in and said you can't do this uh especially in the bible belt they will not watch this show <laughs> if you do this uh so that changed a lot of it but he was still gonna have red skin however when star trek first was starting out this was in the era of still having black and white tvs and red skin did not look well like it was like a really weird tint on a black and white tv so they like we i can imagine that. yeah uh, so he actually has a kind of a slight green tint to his skin if you actually watch it and that's what they decided to go for okay so uh 
Nimoy's dad actually was a barber, and his dad said he would have kids coming in all the time, not knowing that he was Spock's dad, coming to his barbershop all the time saying, hey, give me the Spock. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, that's 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 awesome, right? (laughs) That's like one of those, man, you know, that would be one of those I'm proud of you, son, kind of moments for for kind of making that happen because, I mean, and it was a very unique haircut. Yeah, it was a very unique yeah, haircut. You're going to be proud of your son. Uh, there's a story that Gene Roddenberry's son tells that when Star Trek came out, like after that first episode was aired, that Gene's father went to a couple houses in his neighborhood and apologized <laughs> for whatever his son just put on TV. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but that is the story that the son of Gene Roddenberry has told. I, I hope that is. <laughs> Hey guys, I just wanted to say um, that was garbage. I'm I'm sorry. That's definitely a not. I'm not proud of you uh, yeah. moment. Could you imagine that would destroy me if my dad would did something like that ever so much? <laughs> like that, just don't talk about it. If you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't. You don't have to tell people your feelings on this. But yeah, yeah. To just yeah. Oh, I would have been. I would have had to fight him on the spot. I would have had to go and find him and yeah. fight him if he did that. Yeah. Um, Star Trek. Also, the reason that it really has a a a really good footing in science fiction and even with like if you talk to a lot of today's scientists and such they'll say star trek was an influence on them it's because they would purposely use real science and stuff in their science fiction uh they would you know they would kind of ground it on something that was really uh like antimatter was a big thing and that's an that's a real thing and they talked about it in it but one of the things that's very iconic with Star Trek is the beaming, right? You can beam me down to a planet and stuff. And the reason that they had to come up with that idea is because you'd already talked about the budget. It would have been way too expensive, even more expensive than it already was, to actually physically show the ship landing on a planet. Really? So in order to save money, they came up with this beaming down idea. And now that's all uh, you think about. That's just a part of Star Trek. See, that's in... That's great. Yeah, I'm trying to think in mind. You got to think in mind too that Star Wars didn't come out, and we all know what Lucasfilm did. George Lucas did with yeah. with was, you know, the opening scene with it was just a toy. It was basically a giant toy that they filmed, and and obviously in that regard, Star Trek wasn't that imaginable. But they probably could have saved a lot of money with that. They yeah. they probably could have. Well, they still use like models and stuff. Like I think the. Enterprise was like a model and stuff like that, but it just wasn't too much of it, too expensive to go in and do with effects and stuff. And they just couldn't afford it. Uh, Interesting. With the budget they were given. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild, pretty wild stuff. Uh, plenty of times, of course, uh, if you watch the movies, Spock uh, quote unquote dies. And that's because Leonard Nimoy didn't want to play the character anymore. And then they brought him back and he of course lives. And, and then he ended up actually really loving the character. He wrote books about that. Uh, I've read them, and one of them is uh, I Am Not Spock, and one of them is called I Am Spock, and I recommend them. They're really good. (laughs) uh, There's also a documentary that recently came out, uh, Leonard Nimoy's son uh, put out about his dad. I think it's on Netflix. I think that's where I watched it. It's really, really good, Um, so I do recommend it as well. Uh, Yeah, so I think the saddest part, that's all my facts, by the way. So let's get into the... Uh, lasting effects uh, of Star Trek on today's pop culture. Fairly heavy displacement. (laughs) 
business. The hypo cabinet. It was set for codecines. I mean, as I was as I was saying, you know, today this show is from the '60s, and a lot of the cast and people who made this show have since passed away. Uh, Roddenberry passed away in the '90s as he was helping make the Next Generation. He actually yeah. passed away. Uh, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy is probably the most recent big name that did. Uh, William Shatner still around and kicking. Uh, I feel but, like you know, he sold lost. his soul to the devil. He's just he, he, he comes yeah. he comes off like one of those guys. He comes off like a Joe Namath where and he's, he's sold this sold. The, yeah, he's always busy. And the, <laughs> he he you can watch tele if you watch television for an entire day and keep, keep in mind there's a lot of very famous actors old and new. You will see William Shatner on your TV at least once. All yeah. right, he yes. yeah it's it's insane it's insane. Yeah, so power to him. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, power to the guy. Uh, you know, of course, we lost uh, DeForest Kelly and and the guy who played Scotty and all this. Oh, by the way, side note, uh, the guy who played Scotty uh, wasn't Scottish. He uh, came up with that accent for the show. Uh, just so you know, wasn't really Scottish. Good for him. Uh, yeah, Good he was American. Uh, but uh, there you go. Uh, so, but for today's pop culture, obviously, we're still having Star Trek shows. They're still making new Star Trek shows. Uh, they came out and and they'll even take old characters like Picard and give him his own show again. And apparently, that's I haven't I haven't gotten to watch it. I do want to see it really bad. It's on the CBS All Access their streaming yes. thing. Yeah, but apparently, it's really good, and I really want to watch it. Uh, so they're still influencing today. They're still influencing uh, people to love sci-fi. It's still influencing people to get into science and to become scientists and stuff. And that is incredible man i mean that's amazing i mean that and i i think both it and star wars have gone a long way in really helping people be like influencing people into the fields that they want to do as a career right i really do feel that uh, especially star trek when it comes to this uh you know it's the thing that really stood out to me was how with this original series and next generation because it's the ones i'm most familiar with but i do know all all, all of them have this was how deep they really truly were uh you know uh the stories that they told were, were stories that would hold up for a long long time and yeah. uh, that's where this that's why this show survives and it spawns so much stuff in our pop culture and if it wasn't for star trek i mean there's so many shows we wouldn't have i mean even the technology that they used in star trek you could argue that they influenced the cell phone uh, you could argue that they influenced Bluetooth. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Whole, History Channel had a whole thing about the technology of Star Trek and all the things that they really influenced. And it was like a full hour episode. And it was fascinating. Uh, so it's even influenced stuff like that. And I cannot think of a... It's weird if you don't have a cell phone now, right? <laughs> That's how much people have cell phones. <laughs> That's... Uh, yeah. that, I mean, yeah. those are some great points, that the, the tech thing. Um because, yeah, uh, you know, people back in the 60s, that was just imagination back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Uh, what we have now, like it's so futuristic and, and all this stuff, and, and we do have it. Um, you know, I, you, you did make a lot of great points, the science aspect, why the show was so popular. I think, you know, it came out at the right time and not just yeah. not just because of, you know, the the pushing pushing the envelope as far as what was considered taboo back in the day 
Um, I also think, you know, the fact that it came out during the height of the space race, I, in my personal opinion, uh, did a lot to it. There's a lot of mystery and stuff in, in, in the, in outer space, in the galaxy. And I think uh, Star Trek definitely came at the perfect time for that, so to speak. Uh, as far as, you know, uh, its effect on pop culture, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Like it's, it's lasting to this day. Its influence can be seen everywhere. Um, there's parody shows of it. You know, there's par- been par- parody shows of it. Uh, I think there's most recently one. Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it might have been on. What's that? Orville. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought that that took a lot of influence from it. Uh, it most certainly did. Seth MacFarlane loves Star Trek, and he wanted to make a show kind of like Star Trek, and that's that's what Orville is. I, I that's exactly what I was thinking. So you know, there's that. Uh, I think Passengers has a little bit. The movie with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence has a little bit of influence from uh, Star Trek as well. It can be found everywhere. It could be. I mean, I'm sure Star Star Wars drew influence from Star Trek. And a lot of things. And it's just, you know, it, it's like we've talked about with Ninja Turtles. It's like we talked about with Star Wars. It's like we talked about with a lot of properties that have, you know, found ways to stay relevant over the years. It's, you know, it's fine. That is just finding that relevancy. You know, how are we going to evolve? How we, we know that we can't do the same show all the time. Um, we know we can't get you know, we can't have Patrick Stewart play Picard for 20 years. We got to find way, new, new ways to evolve and, and draw new audiences and, and stick with it. And, you know, it's, it may not, Star Trek may not be as loud as Star Wars is, but there's still a really cool fandom behind it that, uh, that I, that I truly admire that I really, truly do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, this show is going to, uh, pun intended, live long and prosper. I really, truly believe that. I think so too. Uh, so that was Star Trek, uh, especially the original series. Uh, again, we'll probably cover later ones later on with a guest and to uh, so look forward to that. But Matt, in the meantime, what could we possibly be covering next? Mm. Johnny, I think you'll like this one. Okay. I did have a, a, another week where I'm just riddled with ideas as to what to do, but I think you'll seriously appreciate this one. Next time ooh, excuse me my empty stomach burp happened next time we come here on retro pop we will be discussing the history of professional wrestling oh man you have no idea how excited i am for this <laughs> uh oh man all right we're gonna we're gonna drop kick right into that i can't yes, wait we for are. it yes we're gonna we pull are. the kirk and just drop kick out of nowhere <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of Retro Pop. Make sure you stay tuned for the next one where we talk about pro wrestling or wrestling, depending on where you're from. Uh, can't wait for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we very much appreciate all of you, again, who listen. Uh, we had a great year. I mean, the year wasn't great, but for listeners, it was great. <laughs> it's Pretty solid. Great, but We'll take that. For all the poppers out there, uh, for all the poppers out there, that's what I'm calling you now. And I'm sorry that I called you that, but it's, it's what's done is done. For all you poppers out there, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. Uh, So until next time, uh, live long and prosper.
get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We can do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick. Did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify? So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready, set. Mother f- Delay of game. Offense.